We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow, as always here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's been about 80 degrees going on a thousand on the east coast this week, so I'd imagine it's probably like a billion uh, on the west coast over in your area. It's actually kind of interesting because up until like maybe a few days ago, it's been actually kind of gloomy and overcast and you know, pretty brisk, but for starting yesterday and into today, it's kind of warmed up a little bit. And unfortunately that's kind of the sign of a hundred degree temperature becoming the norm, at least in SoCal anyway. Uh, I want to hear what the definition of brisk in SoCal uh, pertains to be. (laughs) Well, it's, Definitely not East Coast brisk, I'll tell you that much. 
But for SoCal Brisk, I would say like maybe mid sixties, early sixties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not yeah, very cool. I know. Although for June, I mean, I mean, I suppose, I suppose low sixties could feel a little brisk. Uh, I don't know about mid sixties, but anyways, uh, we today we are gonna rank the each each position in the NFC West one through four. We're gonna look at each position, but. We're not going to do like full on rooms. We're going to do players that matter. So for the Rams, you got three running backs that I would say matter and you have one quarterback that matters. So it'll vary by position, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. I did some research, believe it or not, for this, Johnny. Uh, it took, it took an hour or two to look into this. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to everyone. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know much about how how good how legit the Ram or the the Arizona Cardinals offensive line group is going to be, but I did my best and I feel pretty good about my rankings. But before we get into that, uh, we are six reviews on Apple Podcasts away from giving out a free Rams jersey. Any player you want, any name you want, any jersey you want. Uh, from the NFL shop, we're six reviews away. So if you haven't given us a review on Apple Podcasts yet and you want to be entered in the sweepstakes, give us a rating uh, and take a screenshot and send it to any of us, ramstock9045 at gmail.com, any of us on Twitter, at TalkRams, at Ciberbero, at Johnny506. Let us know who's entering, and you will have a chance to win that jersey. And once we hit 200 reviews, we're at 194 right now. We will be giving that away finally. Uh, and if you're getting, if you haven't reviewed us, and you're getting sick of everyone on all these podcasts saying this, give us a review. You'll get us one step closer, and you'll have a chance at winning a free jersey. Uh, but Johnny, it, we did, we did say the Rams are, uh, or before the show, we decided there wasn't really any news worth covering. But we do have to mention uh, the Rams are officially back on Hard Knocks along with the L.A. Chargers. It the last season when the Rams were on Hard Knocks wasn't great, but hey, I would rather watch a not compelling Rams team on Hard Knocks than a compelling any other team on Hard Knocks. And I actually feel like it'll be okay this year. There's some there's some interesting topics, and obviously the the whole situation that we're walking into for an NFL season that might not even happen is much more is, is also interesting. It'll be cool to see it from our team's perspective. Is that news? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm going to sit there and watch, you know, Hard Knocks. It's covering the Rams. But I feel like the last time the Rams were on there, there was some comedic moments that kind of made it worth it. But it was kind of meh. So... It, it could be a little different now that the culture's changed a lot. You know, you have Sean McVay, who's always kind of fun and energetic to watch every now and then. Um, but a lot of characters are gone, so I don't I don't know. I mean, we still have A.A. Ron Donald, so um, there's that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I definitely will tune in, but is it all that exciting? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just kind of hard on hard knocks i would bet thousands of dollars that they bring up the um <laughs> the clip from the last summer at hard knocks of air of jared goff 
not knowing which direction the sun was rising in or, or whatever that, that club was. Guaranteed they mentioned that to him. Uh, would, would be shocked if they did from I wonder if he'll he'll throw throw a, a ball at the at the goalpost. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm excited, Ben. It's I, I love the content. I'm all about the content. Uh, another thing I did see, and I guess this is a good segue into the conversation we're gonna have. Uh, ESPN released their NFC West All Decade team. And the Rams held four spots uh, on this list. So that's it. Four out of uh, a potential, what, 20, 25 at least. It looks like 25. The Rams got four players in. Uh, Johnny Hecker, obviously. Aaron Donald, obviously. Todd Gurley and Roger Saffold sneaking in. So only two of those players are left on the Rams. Now, granted, a lot of guys on this list are also not with their teams anymore. Marshawn Lynch, Doug Baldwin, uh, Russell Okung, uh, yeah, a, a fair amount of guys. But it's interesting that they, we only had four guys, and I mean, I don't really think there's much of a case for anyone else. I, supp- I suppose there's probably a case for Robert Quinn, but the defensive ends that made it are Chandler Jones and Calais Campbell. I mean, beyond that, it's not really a Ram that would make this team. Yeah, no, I I don't think so either. <laughs> it was just a horrible, uh, horrible decade it, for the most part. <laughs> the end of the decade was good, but the first what seven seasons were were not not great. Uh, and I I think I mean if you rank the players on this list, we'd have the best player. Eh, we'd have the second best player. I'm not going to sit here and act like over the last decade. Eh, I mean I mean over the last decade, Aaron Donald or uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, you got to rank Russell Wilson number one, no? Not that he's better, yeah. but like the the divisional player of the decade, I feel like it has to be Russell Wilson. I would only agree with that just because he's been there longer, but that's really it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I wouldn't really argue it strongly either way. The only other guy, I mean... there's a lot of really good players on other teams in this. I mean, Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson, Bobby Wagner, all guys that are still here uh, and we're about to talk about in this conversation. So, Johnny, let's kick it off, man. Uh, First position is quarterback. Now, uh, (laughs) the homer bias here is going to be insane, Uh, but luckily we're all probably on the same page uh, as homer fans of the Rams. We have to start. Uh, look, I love Jared Goff as much as the next one, but if if you are going to sit here and say he's the best quarterback in the division, you you really uh, need to like stop giving out takes for a week and reflect on how you got to that point in your life where you would honestly say that, unless you're related to Jared Goff, and even then you're just being nice to your family member. Uh, Russell Wilson is is clearly by far the best quarterback in the division. You know, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if he'd be number one, but he's certainly in the conversation. Uh, my ranking, well, I don't know. I, how would you rank it after Wilson? I'm assume I'm just going to assume you have Wilson number one. Why would you assume Wilson's number one? Because <laughs> it, it shouldn't be a discussion. 
<laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. Russell Wilson is definitely number one. Um, you're on something if you feel like anyone's over Russell Wilson at this point. At number two, I I, I would say it's got to be Jared Goff, just because you look at the other two, which is Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyler Murray. Murray, he hasn't. I mean, he's only been here for one season, so you really can't say he's number two. And as for Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he was pretty much the reason the 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl. And let's put it this way. You can say the same thing about Jared Goff, yeah, technically. I, I'm glad you said it first. I knew you were going there. I knew you were going there. However, what you can, what you can definitely differentiate them is that Jared Goff certainly got the Rams to the Super Bowl. You really can't say the same thing about Garoppolo getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl. There is nothing you could possibly say that can make me think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason that the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here. Number two has got to be Jared Goff. It, yeah, I, I, I agree. Be, and really only because we did that podcast where we compared Jared Goff to other quarterbacks in the league and we had him ranked ahead of both of them, and I'm not going to change my mind now. It's, <laughs> I, I would be curious how Cardinals fans rank these because I have Goff 2, Murray 3, and Garoppolo 4. I'm just going to assume that 49ers fans would have Garoppolo 2, Goff 4, and Murray 3. So, like, I, I would love to hear which, which one the Cardinals fans would have ranked above, or about, like, between Garoppolo and Goff, because I'd assume they'd have Murray too. And look, if I'm being honest, I think there's a really strong chance Murray's too at the end of the season. Uh, but we'll see. Today, I'm sick with my guns. I'm going with Goff. Who, who, who would you have number three between Murray and Garoppolo? This is kind of hard because I don't have a lot of faith in Garoppolo. I just don't think he's, as good as the other quarterbacks, especially when you talk about Goff and and for surely Wilson. And Murray, it's really hard to say how you feel about Murray because there's only been one season, and it wasn't that great of a season, if I'm going to be honest. Of course, it was on a terrible team at, with the Cardinal. But I think I'm going to stick him at number three, Kyler Murray at number three, just because of a certain wide receiver that we're going to talk about later. And, yeah, I, I think he's going to really propel Murray. And you might be able to say he could challenge Goffer number two um, because of this said wide receiver. So I I, I got to say Murray at number three, but just barely for now. And we're making Garoppolo number four. I just I don't have a lot of confidence in Garoppolo. If you ask me who I trust the least out of any of these quarterbacks, it would for surely be Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah. I, and look, we have to throw this out there just because like, I know it's been set in the ground by Garoppolo defenders, but his win loss record is like outrageous. And if they go 13 and three again this year, uh, I mean, it might be time to like admit that maybe he, is a big part of that. I don't know. It's it's. 
I don't know because I don't really think he's that great either. But if the team keeps winning, now he, yeah, he, like you mentioned the Super Bowl, but you could say the same thing about Jared Goff, and I agree with your other point about Jared Goff. But we'll we'll see, man. He he's won a lot of games in his career, and well, if it continues, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you have you can't discount it if it happens again next year. Uh, let's let's go to running backs then. I so so running backs is hard here, uh, and I will just say this off the bat, Johnny. I have the Rams fourth because as much as I like Cam Akers, the other three teams have guys that have proven they could carry a workload, and I don't. The Rams don't yet. So for that reason, I have them four. I don't, where would you have them here? So the Rams, I, I don't think you can really, I don't think you can really say that there's anywhere you could put them, other than last, unfortunately, just because there's nobody proven. The only proven guy that the Rams had was Todd Gurley, and well, he's gone now. Um, you can make an argument for Malcolm Brown, but uh, let's face it, he's probably gonna have like a reserve role in all of this. So. You have a rookie in Cam Akers and, you know, a guy that barely got any playing time in Daryl Henderson. So you don't have a lot to go off of. Well, I do think the world of both of these guys, I think both of these guys have a lot of potential. It's just that. It's potential. It's unproven. So until we actually see them play more football, you, you got to have them at number four because pretty much the other teams have at least one player on their team that has some type of proven ability. Yeah, and and let's be honest, they they could be one at the end of the year. That wouldn't surprise me. I think I think Acres is going to be a beast. But today, you kind of had to rank them four, and it's it. I think it's a lo- like it's interesting with the other teams because there's no like, I, there's no Saquon Barkley in this division right now. There's no 2018 Todd Gurley. My number one here is Seattle because I I personally think. Chris Carson is super underrated and a good running back, and I don't know why people are always thinking that he's going to get replaced as a running back. I don't see it happening. I think he's a monster. I think he's number one. And then behind him, you know, you got Carlos Hyde. Uh, you got Rashad Penny, who I know is recovering from an injury, but that's a deep that's a deep backfield of guys. Number two, man, I'm going Arizona. I am a believer in Kenyon Drake. I don't think that run at the end of the season was a fluke. Do I think he's going to put up those numbers again? No. But I'm in. I, I'm a fan. I've always kind of been a fan. Uh, I don't know if I said that publicly or not, but I feel like I all, I've always liked him in my head. And then three, I go San Francisco with Raheem Moster and Tevin Coleman. That's a that's a pretty solid backfield. Uh, we'll we'll see how it shape, shapes out this year. But I I I I think to me Seattle is even though it's not like like one of the most dominant backfields in the league. I think it's clear in this division that Chris Carson's the best guy. And then I think you could flip-flop Arizona and San Francisco, but I like Arizona number two. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to flip the number two and number three, but I kind of definitely agree with you with Seattle being number one because with the number one, you have Chris Carson, who in my opinion is – one of the most underrated running backs in the league. It's actually unbelievable how little he gets covered. And then on top of that, I've always been a huge supporter of Carlos Hyde. I don't know why he's kind of bounced around the league from team to team. It's it's kind of a mystery to me because I feel like he's an effective back. Uh, maybe not a starter per se anymore, 
But, um, yeah, I think he's a solid backup. And then, plus, on top of that, you have Rashad Penny, who, if he could stay healthy, uh, I think can be a really solid contributor. Uh, number two, I'm going to have San Francisco just because I think Raheem Mostart is a beast. Uh, you got Tevin Coleman there, who I think is um, really solid. Um, if you want to throw in Jarek McKinnon, that's an idea, too. Um, <laughs> it is an idea. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if he actually returns to his Minnesota days, uh, that that's a solid backup if you really think about it. And I don't know if you want to throw in their fullback, Kyle. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> uh, Juice Check? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But um, that's a damn good uh, fullback as well. Um, but, yeah. Uh, moving on to... Number three, which I, I'm going to give it to the, the Cardinals here because I, I am not a believer in uh, Kenyon Drake at all. I just – I oh, think man. he's a little bit – I'm just not. I don't I don't think he was solid in Miami at all. He did come to – he did come to the Cardinals and, you know, did fairly well. But I don't think he's that great, honestly. I just – I don't. And then behind him, would I guess the only guy you can really consider is Chase Edmonds. Um, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, ultimately, I, I, that's why I have them at number three, just because it's really just Drake, in my opinion. And I'm not high on him, so I, I have to have Arizona there at number three. That's fair. I mean, honestly, you kind of swayed me a little bit, and I think I'm probably wrong here. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I'm going to switch it. I'm, I'm going to switch it, Johnny. I don't care. Uh, this is my podcast. I can do whatever I want. You swayed me to the other side because that point about uh, Kyle whatever is actually a really good point. And, and te- I, I kind of like Chase Evans, too. I don't think he's that bad. But Tevin Coleman's definitely better, even though that's a player I don't like that much. So congrats. You, you pulled me over. I'm going to switch it. I'm going San Francisco at number two. Arizona at number three. But I am a believer in Kenyon Drake keeping on the record. Uh, why, wide Ooh. receivers. <laughs> it's points for Johnny. I <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Look, they, honestly, on this podcast, you might convince me to change my mind a couple of times on things. <laughs> because I, I – look, I, I know a lot about the Rams. I know a lot about positional players that have impacts in fantasy football. And then beyond that, you know a lot more than me on probably all of this. But let's let's go to wide receivers. It's <laughs> it's kind of funny how like you you think about wide receivers in this in this division and who has the best core and you're kinda of like, oh right. DeAndre Hopkins plays for the fucking Cardinals. And they are the clear cut number one as a result. Uh I they're like they they are the best in the division because a he's by far the best receiver in the division maybe the best receiver in football uh depending on who you talk to if you talk to me i think he is but then behind him you have larry fitzgerald who he's he's older he's not who he was but he he's still a reliable uh second or third option and you got christian kirk who, who i like he's developing i think he's developing into a pretty good player and I think he will shine in real life a lot more with Hopkins taking away a lot of the pressure off of him. And then even like behind those guys, you have Andy Isabella, you have uh, 
Keyshawn Johnson. Those are those are decent receivers. I think they're they're the the clear number one. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Rams too here. I this is I think it's actually pretty tough between them and Seattle because Seattle with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who I think is gonna be a really good player. Uh, that's that's a solid group. You have David Moore. Uh, you, you even have uh, fucking Philip Dorsett is on their team now. Uh, but to me, the the combo of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup is better than the combo of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, personally, if I'm ranking them, we have the second and third best receivers in the division. And then behind him, you have Josh Reynolds, who's okay. Uh, he's fine as a third option. You have Van Jefferson, who could be like uh, like a light version of Cooper Cup in a lot of ways. He looks like he might be. I, I think we're clearly number two. I think Seattle is number three. And then I think San Francisco is number four, who, you know, I don't really like the receiving core. I like Debo Samuel, but beyond him, I mean, they need a lot out of Brandon Ayuk to make this a solid receiving core because behind those guys, it's a lot. Like, maybe Jalen Hurd is something. Maybe Dante Pettis revives himself. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that that group. Yeah, uh, I, I'll I'll start from the bottom, and now we're here. Uh, no, on the I'll start from the bottom and go all the way to the top. I can't believe I said that. Um, I'm here yeah, for it. I, I feel like I need to take a shower after that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> number four is clearly the the Forty ers You know, Debo. I have mixed feelings on Debo. I like his potential for sure, but he wasn't someone that struck me as like a really, really solid player. Um, had his moments for sure, but I felt like he wasn't all that great either. So to um, to really say that there's anyone better than him at this point, you really can't. Um, Brandon Ayuk has, has certainly some potential also, but that's unproven, so you can't really say anything about that either. And as far as Dante Pettis goes, yeah, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> they they got to be number four. I I just don't think they're they touch anywhere near the the top three here. Yeah, I do like Debo though. Be- I I I'm a Debo believer. I think he's going to be a really good player. I wouldn't be like, you know, there's a chance he ends ends the season as a second or third best receiver in the division. I I don't know if it'll happen this year, but. He's, he's a good player. I like him. But right now, it, they're, I agree. They're clearly fourth. So you'd say you're a Belibo? <laughs> I'm a Belibo. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> oh, my God. The puns just keep coming. All right. So um, number three, I'm going to have to give it to the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seattle Seahawks have a solid up-and-coming receiving core. DK Metcalf was someone I was really high on um, in the draft, and I, I was actually stunned that he fell as far as he did, um, you know, back in the 2019 NFL draft. And Tyler Lockett, who's always been someone that's been pretty solid, uh, I don't know if I would compare him to some of the other top receivers in, in the division, but he's certainly up there. Um, Philip Dorsett, he, he's kind of iffy you know there are times where he he looks really really good and other times he just kind of disappears 
And the same could be said about David Moore. So, yeah, clearly number three for me. Uh, number two, now I know you kind of were really, you, you, it was really easy for you to say number one and number two. It was a little harder for me, and I'll explain why. But I'm going to say my number two is the Rams. But for one very important reason, which I'll get into in a second. But the Rams, yes, they have two of the, uh, the most underrated receivers in the league and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They're, they're, just, they're just guys that do their jobs, do them well, and they're guys that clearly Jared Goff can rely on. Uh, you know, say what you will about Josh Reynolds. He may not be, you know, one of the bigger names up there, but he's made a name for himself behind three really good receivers in the past. So that says something. Um, Van Jefferson's unproven, so you can't really say much about him. That's when I moved to number one, and I think the only reason why it is is because DeAndre Hopkins is that fucking good. He is arguably the best receiver in the league, and I think you can definitely say so. The fact that the Cardinals got him for basically nothing is just amazing to me. And while I, one of the reasons why it was really hard for me to say the Cardinals is because Larry Fitzgerald is just not the same player he was. In years past, he, in like the past two, three years ago, he was still pretty decent. Last year, he was just kind of there. You know, he made the occasional big play, but I just didn't, I felt like he was kind of, I kind of forgot he was on the Cardinals because he just was fading. And Christian Kirk, I'm not high on at all. I just, I think he has potential that he's just never shown so far. And Andy Isabella, Jig's still out on him. So that's kind of why I was kind of struggling, but I can't, it's hard to really compete against one of the best, uh, like DeAndre Hopkins. So for that reason alone, I put him at number one. I, I think though, like, if, if Larry Fitzgerald, it, it's kind of like the, the problem the Rams had earlier in the decade. Like, if, if 37 year old Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are your one and two receivers, you know, you don't love it. It, it is absolutely not an ideal situation, but it's, if you move those guys a peg each down the depth chart, I, I, I like him as the second and third options. I mean, let, let's be honest, Johnny. Would you rather have Larry Fitzgerald or Josh Reynolds this year? Uh, you don't have to think about I it. Guess, <laughs> it's obvious. I guess, I guess I would say Larry Fitzgerald as my third option, absolutely. But I, I don't know. It's just, again, Fitzgerald just like. Like I said last year, he, there were times here where he was just non-existent. Yeah, but he had eight hundred. You know, he had eight hundred yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he's he's thirty. He's gonna be thirty-seven this year. Like it, that that's fine. That is absolutely fine for that age. And uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how Christian Kirk does. He missed three games last year, uh, seven hundred nine yards and three touchdowns. Not ideal. He he might not be good. But I, I, I'm inclined to think he'll, he'll be a good second fiddle to um, DeAndre Hopkins, kind of like the Will Fuller role that he played on the Texans when he was able to stay on the field, which isn't often. 
So I I think it's to me I I think it's easy and obviously Hopkins puts him over the top. Yeah, no question. Let, hey, let's 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 go to tight end. I'm I'm gonna assume we both agree that the 49ers are number one. Really, the 49ers? <laughs> yeah, no question there. I, I, we there's no arguing that. Right. So I. And I think we could both clearly agree. I, I think we're going to have the same rankings, but they're obviously number one, and I think the Cardinals are pretty blatantly number four because can you even name their tight end? Max Williams. <laughs> Correct. That's, uh, that's, that's where we're at, Max Williams, who if we ranked the tight ends on the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, he might be six. He literally might be the sixth best tight end out of those three teams, but I, I, I'm, I, I went Rams two and Seahawks three. Although I think it is close because it, Greg Olson, he's not, he's not the player he was, but he's still okay. And uh, Will Will Disley, we'll see if he's healthy, but he was killing it for a couple games, and I think that is a formidable tight end group. It's two solid guys, but. You know, you look at what the Rams have with it, it, it with how Tyler Higby played last at uh, the end of last season, and with Gerald Everett still existing on the team. I think it's I think they they have the edge over Seattle. Although I think it's closer than you would think, like off the cuff. No, it's it's extremely close because to tell you the truth, as much as I loved Greg Olson and his prime, um, I don't think he's the guy to look out for in Seattle. I think it's Will Disley. I, I think this is a really solid up-and-coming tight end that, unfortunately for him, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't healthy. Um, you know, you get a healthy Disley, this is a, he's a threat for sure. And, I of course, Greg Olson's going to bring his threat. You know, he's always going to be someone to look out for. But I'm more apt to believe that Will Disley is, is the better tight end here and somebody I would worth be worth investing in um for me though i still would rather have higby i think higby has a ton of potential um especially looking at the end of last year i mean this was this was easily one of the better tight ends in the league because of how well he played towards the end of the year and there's i i'd highly doubt that he can play like that every single game, but I would, I would think that because of the Rams' style of offense now, I think that he's going to be a top target for Goff. I mean, he always has been, but he's going to be even more of a target because of the way the Rams' offense is. So I got to put Higby at number two. Yeah, agreed. He, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I flip very hard on Higby. Was not a fan of that contract. Now I think it could somehow be a bargain. Uh, he's man that that run is legitimately one of the best five five game stretches from a tight end ever. It, it is was literally a historic five game stretch. It was it propelled him to it, literally the best season a tight end on the Rams has ever had, and he basically only had five good games. So that's just like that's how good it was, uh, and also a how bad we've been as a franchise in a position. And 
I feel like we I don't even think we said George Kittle's name. Obviously, the 49ers tight end, probably the best tight end in the league. So it's no shame coming up second to them there. Let, let's argue that for a second, though, since we didn't mention his name. If you're gonna, if you have a chance to sign Kittle or Kelsey, who are you going with? I, I think I'm going with Kittle. I think he's a he's a better blocker, and I, Kelsey is maybe a hair better as a receiver. But I think the the blocking offsets it. I, I think you go Kittle, but I, I I wouldn't like vehemently argue for Kelsey against Kelsey. But I to me. Uh, I wouldn't really hesitate on the decision. No, I definitely agree with you. Uh, that's a, definitely a good point about his blocking ability. He, he's definitely the best tight end in the league. I don't think anyone can really say otherwise. Yeah, oddly enough, tight end like it, it, it had a really it was a really good year for the position last year. There was a lot of breakout players. You know, you you look at like who you're getting in in fan, like fantasy targets, and last year. Like after like the first four or five guys, you're you're basically fucked. And but now now there's you know Mark Andrews, uh, Tyler Higby, Austin Hooper, uh, Hunter Henry. Even though he was he had a little hype before last year, there's a lot there's a lot of guys that broke out. You know Hayden Hurst uh, got the big contract from Atlanta. There, it's a deep position. Gronk's back. Uh, it, it it'll be interesting to see uh, how that position goes. It's the strongest it's been in a, in a long time. Uh, but anyways, let's move on to offensive line. Johnny, I am not going to, like I said earlier, I am not going to sit here and act like I am an expert at this. What I've realized from my research is that this is a division full of shitty offensive lines. Uh, number <laughs> one, I think is clearly San Francisco because you know, even though I lose Joe Staley, they won the Trent Williams sweepstakes. I think they're really the only line you could feel confident about as the uh, being good this year like they're definitely going to be fine and honestly I don't I don't really know I kind of threw my hands up on the rest I went Arizona two, us three Seattle four uh I we'll see that's just, just kind of my my wild guess here uh from from what I've deducted it seems like Seattle is pretty clearly four and the Cardinals are in a similar situation as us but that's basically me saying, knowing what I know about the Rams, if it's a toss-up, I'm not going to choose their offensive line. You know, you're not wrong. That's pretty accurate ass- assessment of of the divisional offensive linemen for sure. Um, yeah, it's a no-brainer. San Francisco's number one there. Um, that's not even saying that San Francisco has an elite offensive line. Their offensive line is decent, um, maybe good, but they're certainly not elite. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, the the Rams were able to stay in the games with San Francisco for the most part anyway, is because, you know, they, uh, Aaron Donald was, was getting into uh, Garoppolo and it's because their offensive line is just okay, you know. Um, but compared to the rest of the offensive lines in the division, there's no questions asked that they're just light years ahead of them. Um and you're right. It's it's kind of a toss up in a lot of ways, but my number two, I would say, is probably. <sighs> I guess I would give it to Arizona just because I do like some of their additions. Um, I do like the addition of uh, 
Marcus Gilbert, I think he's a solid guy. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of new additions. And for that reason alone, I was going to say – I was I was gonna say that they were gonna be number three, just because it's it's a it's a new offensive line, so chemistry is not gonna be there immediately. But there is more potential, I would say, with the Cardinals. For the Rams, I'm gonna put them at number three. And the only reason why I have them at number three is because of chemistry. It's one of the things I feel like they have a little bit of an edge over Arizona. But in terms of potential, I think Arizona edges them out. Um, the Rams are somewhat of a young offensive line if you're looking past, uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth. Um, right. But there are enough pieces there to um, kind of shift around. And I think in that regard, Sean McVay has done a great job at like cross training. And um, so they're certainly a step, a hair better. Then the number four, which is the Seattle Seahawks. There's a reason why Russell Wilson is one of the most celebrated quarterbacks. It's not just his abilities, because his abilities are clear. It's his uh, his ability to actually stay alive in the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. You know, the to, to the Seahawks' credit, in recent years, their run blocking has improved tremendously. But in terms of pass blocking, you still see Russell Wilson running for his life on a consistent basis. So that's one of the reasons why the Seahawks hate playing the Rams. Because they get they get to Wilson often. So, yeah, until we see any significant improvement from the Seahawks offensive line, they got to be number four. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And like the Rams, there's a chance that eight offensive linemen on our team are good offensive linemen, but there's only two offensive linemen on the Rams that we know are good offensive linemen right now. And I mean, Austin Bly, that, that we might not even really know that, but I, I think we can throw him in there. So it's, there's a lot of balls in the air there. And I mean, like you mentioned potential, like, even the guys we don't know who are like that great, I I think the potential is Havenstein returns to form and our guards are fine, and then that that's that's a pretty good offensive line if that happens. But like the potential's not like like ceiling shattering. As we mentioned on that bad takes podcast, I would be floored if they ended up being a top six offensive line. Uh, so that's it for offense. Johnny, we have the same exact rankings because you swayed me on running back. <laughs> you have to see it my way, Steve. <laughs> Only my way. So, hey, but they are the right ranking rankings. I think we can just agree on that. They they have to be right if we both had them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Let's shift over to the defense here. Defensive line we'll start with so we'll do interior defensive line, and then we'll do outside linebackers, edge rushers. Finally, Johnny, we can claim a top spot. I I think we can do that here with the Rams. I think we can clearly claim that we have the best interior defensive line in the league. Thanks to Aaron Donald. Michael Brockers is back. Uh, Ashawn Robinson is in the building. And then Sebastian Joseph Day was was good last year. 
is like going to be the the fourth guy in the rotation, and then Greg Gaines hanging out there. I clearly, I think we're number one, especially considering the 49ers traded DeForest Buckner for a pick. For sure. I, I think that's something, um, you know, I, I feel like the Rams in a way have a, have a very underrated defensive line, which is odd to say, considering they have uh, arguably the best player in the league right now in Aaron Donald, but the rest of the guys on the team just simply don't get enough credit and even Donald himself will tell you that one of the reasons of his success is because of Michael Brockers and then adding uh, Robinson to the mix and still having a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day, who was certainly serviceable. Uh, I, I don't think there's really anyone in the division that can really touch that. So um, I, I think they're the clear number one choice here. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, for the rest of the rankings, I, I still go San Francisco too, even though they lost to Forrest Buckner. I mean that that D was 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 legit last year. You still got Solomon Thomas there. Uh, you bring in Javon Kinlaw in the first round. Uh, third, I went Seattle. Fourth, I went Arizona. And Johnny, I I, I really do not have any takes any takes about how I rank those three or or three and four at least. Yeah, number two is clearly San Francisco. They they have a solid front. You know, there, there's just no question about it. I I don't think there's any any way you can argue that the bottom the bottom two can touch them because they can't. Number three, I'm gonna. I, I think you can go either way, honestly, until you know we know for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think number number three has to be. I'm gonna say Arizona, just because I feel like Arizona has um, potential with Jordan Phillips. I like Jordan Phillips a lot. Uh, he did really good wonders in Buffalo, and I think it's gonna be a welcome addition um, to uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. If you look at Seattle's defensive front I'm you you can make an argument for maybe Jaron Reed uh, but I think you're kind of grasping at straws there uh, so yeah I, I think Seattle is number four yeah that uh, that that is totally fair to me uh it is it, it is not not a, a strong group over there um, and yeah, so outside linebacker, edge rusher too. So, so Johnny, we got to say though, that's the first time we've actually had a disagreement where I'm not going to change my mind. Uh, you had Arizona three, I had them four and vice versa. <laughs> so finally, yes. outside linebacker, you can almost, it's almost, well, I guess not really the opposite rankings actually now that I'm looking at it. San Francisco is, is clearly unquestionably number one here i mean this might even be more of a landslide than the rams being number one at interior defensive line you got nick bosa you got eric armstead i mean it's it they're untouchable compared to the rest of these guys in the division yeah uh (laughs) i don't think i don't think uh there's any competition that comes remotely close you're absolutely right 
I uh, got to give that to uh, San Francisco there. Uh, no, number two, I got Chandler Jones in Arizona just because he's much better than any other linebacker in the division. Uh, yeah. Do they run a 4-3 or a 3-4? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm confused reading their depth chart. I believe I they should run a 4-3. That that's a really bad thing for me to say on this podcast. But Chandler Jones, he's a he's like an edge guy, right? Actually, no, I, I take that back. I think they're I think they're three four. Yeah, that's what's confusing. That's what's throwing me off. The, the, their depth chart's confusing. I, it's getting in my head. But I I go I go Arizona number two, and and number three and four like I'm flip flopping man because like Bruce Irvin, like. Uh, like he's getting up there in age, man, and then they got LJ Collier on the on the other side of him. I I I don't love that. Like I, I'm not too high on Seattle, but like, can I really rank Leonard Floyd and Samson Ibukam ahead of him? And Ogo Ogoranko? Like I don't I don't think I can. And for that reason, I have Seattle three and the Rams four. You're kind of right. It's it's close, but I, I think I'm going to rank the Rams ahead just because I I do feel like the Rams are a little underrated in that regard because I feel like Samson Ibukam for whatever reason is you know a guy that uh, doesn't get a lot of love. I don't I don't know why that is. Um, I know that he kind of played somewhat of a backup role last year. But for the most part, he was a starter towards the end of the season. And he did really well two years ago, too. So for me, I, I, I do think that uh, Ibukam is is pretty talented. Uh, Leonard Floyd is a little bit hard of a pill to swallow because it's hard to say what we have with Leonard Floyd. It's kind of like a similar situation of Dante Fowler, just a little less talented for sure. Uh, I'm going to say number three, though, just because I, I think Bruce Irvin's done, to be honest. It, he He's coming back home, essentially. But I feel like he's coming back to retire, honestly. I just don't <laughs> think he has it in him anymore. And Collier, I've never been super high on. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Rams being at number three and Seattle at number four there. Yeah, I, I look. I, honestly, I'm pro- I'm probably wrong there, but I'm not going to change it. Um, inside linebacker, I mean, I mean, let, like, I kind of had the same thing between so the bottom two between the Rams and the Cardinals here because like, uh, I'm I'm not too, like, I'm not I I don't I I know Jordan Hicks. I feel like he's a decent player, and I feel like he's head and shoulder. Like, who the fuck? Is, who the fuck are inside linebackers, man? They're clearly four. Uh, I, the, like, I, I don't even think it's really a consideration. Uh, and then the other ones, I think Seattle's got to be number one because Bobby Wagner is, is still Bobby Wagner. Uh, and you bring it, you bring in Jordan Brooks. It's, it's a decent group, KJ Wright. And then I went San Francisco to, uh, you know, Quan Alexander, a guy we, we loved when he was a free agent, wanted them to come to the Rams. Uh, Fred Warner there as well, and then Arizona three. Uh, it's two groups that I think are really solid groups of inside linebackers. Uh, I think I think the Cardinals are okay, and then I 
I, I, I don't even know if we're going to play inside linebackers this year. Like, I feel like we're just not going to play any. That's kind of the funny thing is because, yeah, obviously the Rams are number four. I, I don't think anyone can really argue that. But it, it's kind of funny because do you really even count the Rams here? Because I don't think they're going to have much of a presence in the inside linebacker. And I think, you know, considering Micah Kaiser's actually healthy, I think he's going to be a guy that's out there situationally and not really as a like a main position, which is odd to say because that's not something you really say too often. So for me, it's got to be the Rams at number four just by default. I, you know, I I just don't think the position really exists for them. Uh, number three, yeah, definitely is is Arizona. I remember at one point when Jordan Hicks was a highly coveted prospect and he's just okay now. Uh, Yeah. Good luck there. Um, Number two, this is where it gets really hard for me because number two, I think you can make an argument for both sides, but for the sake of butting heads, I'm going to say San Francisco is number one just because I do like Quan Alexander. I feel like, He's he's a really key aspect of the team. But more than anything, I love Fred Warner. Fred Warner is one of the unsung heroes on that defense, um, which is something that's kind of unusual. I know that Nick Bosa got a lot of the praise, which he obviously deserved. Um, and you can even make a, an argument for Eric Armstead as well. But Fred Warner, like, I remember when he was playing up against the Rams and he wreaked havoc on that offensive line. So I got a, I got to Fred Warner. And as far as Seattle goes at number two, the only reason they're, they're number two is Bobby Wagner is clearly the best inside linebacker in this division. I don't think there's any question about that, but you basically have an unproven guy in Jordan Brooks so that kind of weighs them down a little bit. So that's why I got to put the the 49ers number one, Seahawks at number two in the division there. Yeah, it's man that 49ers defense is even without uh, DeForest Buckner. That is a squad. That is that is a very good defense. Cornerback. So to me, it, it feels like. I don't know. It, this one, I, I want, I want you to, you to open on this one because I, I want to listen to your thoughts. I have my list ready and I'll let you know if I change it based on what you say, but I think I'm confident with my answers. Okay. This, it's actually a very tight race here. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how close that this, this part is because there are a lot of talented cornerbacks in the NFC West, I feel. But I think clearly the number uh, the number four spot goes to the Seattle Seahawks. I just, there's really nobody other than maybe Trey Flowers that is really somebody that's eye-catching. They're a decent enough squad for sure, but I I think Trey Flowers is basically it there. Um, so yeah, Seattle's clearly number four in my opinion. Uh, number three, 
this is where it kind of gets really dicey. But I I gotta say Arizona here. Arizona is um, again a very talented squad uh, in terms of corners. Patrick Peterson is one of the better corners in the league. He's a little up there in age, but beyond that, there's a lot of guys that I'm just not confident in. <sighs> yeah, Byron Murphy. I'm I'm not I'm not sold on Byron Murphy. I'm sorry. So that brings us to number two, which, in my opinion, has to be um, the 49ers. Richard Sherman is a talented cornerback still at his, you know, um, despite being aging, uh, I, I think he's still very, very talented. You can make an argument that he's still one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Lost a step a bit, but still very, very talented. But beyond that, I don't know if you can really say much more. Uh, you can make a argument for Jason Verrett, you know, give or take. Um, but then you go to the Rams, who I have as number one with Jalen Ramsey. I still think he's the best cornerback out of anybody in the division. I don't. I, I don't think there's any question into that. I, you know, maybe you can have an argument with Richard Sherman back in his, um, you know, younger age, and to to my delight, um, I, <laughs> I I have to say Troy Hill is someone to mention as well. This is a guy that stepped in for Jalen Ramsey when he was hurt, you know, and he held his ground. You know this. Troy Hill has certainly emerged as one of the better cornerbacks on the Rams and uh, definitely within the division. So, <laughs> like I said, I'll continue to crow on that because I wanted to cut outright cut Troy Hill, and I'm glad that I am not I'm not the uh, less need at this point because uh, I would have definitely been hurting to see Troy Hill, you know, off on another team dominating. Right, yeah, it, I, I, I had the same exact rankings, although I, I did not, before you started talking, but during the podcast, I did flip-flop the Rams and the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, yeah, so I've been, I've been looking through the pro football focus grades. I know these aren't everything, but Richard Sermon's number one, and then Kawan Williams, their slot cornerback, is number seven overall. Uh, Quentin Dunbar, who the, the Seahawks brought in from Washington, is actually number two. Uh, albeit on a, on a smaller number of snaps than a lot of these guys. And then other guys in the division, Shaquille Griffin was number 10. Trey Hill was number 25. Or sorry, Trey Hill was number 12. Jalen Rams was number 25. It's it's a uh, Emmanuel Mosley on the 49ers, number 32. It is a loaded division at cornerback. I'd be like a lot of like, as far as like e- each team kind of has an alpha, I would say, at the position. that It's like really good. Maybe not Seattle as much, but... I mean, Pat Peterson, Richard Sherman, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, these guys are like legends at this point. I And, and Sherman, Sherman's definitely lost a step, but he's still one of the better corners in the league. Uh, same with Patrick Peterson. And then I, I agree on Ramsey. And look, man, if, if Troy Hill is real, like if that was a real season last year, like that's who he's going to be moving forward. I, I think I think we, we take number one to the bank. Uh, losing Nikel Roby Holman does hurt, and we do have to replace that. That's 
in today's day and age, you need that slot cornerback. And we'll see if it's David Long or if it's uh, Terrell Burgess or whoever fills that role. But as long as that, as long as we like put duct tape over that spot, the other two guys should be really able to, to take us home here. Let's let's go to safety. Uh, I I mean this this one is also tough. I I think maybe it's not. I I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you start with this one as well. Uh, yeah, you're right. This one is this one's extremely tough because I so badly want to say the Rams number one here, but in reality, in the grand scheme of things, without you know blinders, without my Kool Aid. You have to look at what the Rams have, essentially. You have John Johnson, who, if he can stay healthy, is a damn good safety. You have Taylor Rapp, who's an up-and-coming safety, but we only have really one year of footage on on, uh, Taylor Rapp. And albeit it was a damn good year, but he's still not someone you could say is proven. So for that reason, I have the Rams at number two just because Taylor Rapp is young. Meaning that if Taylor Rapp has another solid season and John Johnson can stay healthy, the Rams could have the best safety core in the league or or in the division. Sorry. Uh, League might be stretching it. Uh, So number one in this case has to be, the um, 49ers, Jimmy Ward is, in my opinion, probably the one of the better safeties in the division and one of the more underrated components on the 49er defense. It's something you and I have harped on the entire podcast that uh, the 49ers are just freaking stacked. Yeah, Jesus, dude. I mean, uh, I this is who I had one, two as well, 49ers and Rams. And that means that the 49ers didn't have worse than a number two finish in the division at any defensive position. And you gave them number one at three different positions. I gave them number one at two different positions. And I think outside of defensive line, you could make the case for them being number one at all the positions. And if you factor, if you count their defensive ends as interior or as defensive linemen, which we counted them as outside linebackers because it's easier for the the podcast, you might even argue that they have the best defensive line in the division, even though I, I think it's still the Rams, but uh, you factor in those two edge guys who are very good players. This, that defense is insane, and that it's it might not be fair, but that's part of the reason why we can sit here and say Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't really responsible for getting that team to the Super Bowl. For sure. There's no questions asked. In in fact, I don't know if I would go this far, but you can almost say that it's like sort of like the Tim Tebow effect where because of the quarterback position, they're given much more praise than they should be. Uh, And evidence of that was basically Jimmy Garoppolo last year. In my opinion, and I think in most other sane person's opinion, it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo that got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. It was the defense. Offense had some components that helped, obviously. 
but it certainly wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. Here, here's the take, Johnny. If you replace Jimmy Garoppolo with 2011 Tim Tebow, they still go to the Super Bowl. I will stand by it. I don't know if their regular season's as good, but during that playoff run, I think they still would have went to the Super Bowl. Ooh. I know uh, that's that's a scorcher. That's one of my hottest takes ever, I think. But look, man, he he can run the ball. That's, that's that's it. He can run the ball. That run offense will be a lot scarier. You know, he beat the Steelers in the playoffs that one year. Then he got Belichicked, but he wouldn't have gotten Belichicked in the NFC playoffs. You know what, Steve? You know, bringing up Tiengbo, I have two words to say to you, man. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh tebow anyway back back to the safety rankings <laughs> so uh you if i'm not mistaken you said that you had the same san francisco number one yep. seattle are the rams number two yep and then i had uh, arizona three and seattle four <sighs> This this is where it gets a little complicated too, but I'm gonna switch there. I'm gonna say uh, Seattle number three and Arizona number four. Uh, one of the reasons being is because I dig Quandre Diggs. Dunch. <laughs> Sorry, I I I I don't know what it is with me today. I just yeah I don't know. But uh, I I in all seriousness, I I don't know how the Lions traded Diggs and got essentially nothing in return. I, I really think Quandre Diggs is an underrated safety in the league. And uh, McDougald, uh, he's serviceable. <laughs> Arizona, I do love Buda Baker. I feel like he hasn't hit his prime yet. And I think that this is a guy to watch out for in the future. Uh, other than that, that's why, like, I, I mean, Jalen Thompson is, is okay, I guess. But uh, I think for now, Diggs kind of puts it over for me uh, at all uh, the number three spot. Yep, I I, I, I I like Buda Baker, and that's why I had them three. I, I don't really have a, a strong defense here for my my ranking. Um okay. I have kicker, pumper, and kick returner here. Yeah, I mean in the spirit of the podcast we gotta do kickers, but I don't really want to spend a ton of time on this at all. Look, man, if Greg Zerline was in this division, this is like an historically good kicker division. I think it was last year. Zane Gonzalez on Arizona, Jason Myers on Seattle, uh Robbie Gold on San Francisco. That's a damn good division. I right now I have uh at kicker oh shit i fucked up my rankings i have <laughs> i got i gotta redo my math after the podcast i have robbie gold number one on san francisco zane gonzalez number two on arizona and jason myers number three on seattle and then whoever the fuck the rams have at four uh hopefully my boy Liram. uh i already forgot how cam just cam pronounced it you know good on him for uh <laughs> good on him for for actually pronouncing that because i i don't remember how he pronounced it either. right uh, 
But yeah, number number one has to be uh, this one's hard. But I guess number one, I would say is um, I'd say San Francisco. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I like I like Roby Gold. Uh, if if Greg Zerline was still here, it. it it would be a no-brainer, but he's not. So the Rams are clearly number four. Number two, I guess I would say Seattle. Jason Myers is is definitely good. Um, and then number three, Zane Gonzalez for Arizona. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I Jason Myers is good, but I, I like Zane Gonzalez. Maybe it's just because he's on my fantasy team. I don't know. Uh, punters. I think this one's pretty straightforward. Rams won. Obviously, we got Johnny Hacker. Uh, number two, Seattle. Number three, Arizona. Number four, San Francisco. Though I don't know enough about San Francisco and Seattle's or San Francisco and Arizona's punters to really feel confident ranking that. But I do feel confident with Seattle at number two. Yeah, clearly Johnny Hecker is number one. He's also a hell of a backup quarterback. Just saying. I'm just saying. Um. <laughs> San Francisco number two is, you know, Andy Lee, still one of the best in, in the game. Not better than Johnny Hecker, though. Um, I'm kind of flip-flopping on on uh, number three and number four. I guess I guess number three, I'll say San Francisco. No, I'm sorry. Uh, number three, I'll say uh, Seattle. Uh, number four, I'll say San Francisco. Yeah, d- um Dude, I had it. I had kick returners here, and honestly, I, I have no takes on the division in kick returners. Uh, Tyler Lockett is clearly the best kick returner in the division. I had them no one, question. Arizona two, us three, San Francisco four, but I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Lockett number one, no question. I, I, don't think there's any question. Uh, yeah, I, I would say number two, probably going to give it to uh, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, number three, uh, San Francisco. And number four is the Rams. I'm, I'm just not high on Nassimbo Webster. I'm, I was hoping it would be the Rams worked on, um, and they just didn't. So... Webster is okay, I guess, but uh, I guess he's somewhat of an improvement over JoJo Natson. But yeah, four is the Rams. Depends on who you talk to. Okay, uh, so I'm I'm trying to tally up our totals here of our our numbers. I don't think I'm going to include special teams. Is that fair? Nah, that's fine. Because I don't think really our rankings are accurate at all. Should I include coach? Yeah, why not? Okay. So then in that case, um I so coach this is a good division of coaches. And I think pretty clearly we can agree that Cliff Kingsbury is four, right? Uh yeah, you're kidding yourself if you think Cliff Kingsbury is better than any of these three coaches. Because they're one of the best coaches in the league. All three of them. 
So, yeah, Clint, Kingsbury is nowhere near them at all. Yeah, so the the top three are, are tough because these are three really good coaches. Um, for me, I feel like it's got to be Pete Carroll, number one. He, he's been doing this the longest, and he's not a perfect coach, but he has a Super Bowl ring. He's played in multiple Super Bowls. He's coached in multiple Super Bowls. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go back to what he did in college, but like that exists. Uh, I think he, I think he's gotta be number one. And then for me, because like, come on, I'm not a fucking animal here, Johnny. I know what podcast I'm on. I'm going to rank Sean McVay two and Kyle Shanahan three. <laughs> I am not a fan of, of, uh, P Carroll. I, made that abundantly clear it's probably the ucla fan in me but i gotta give credit where he's where it's due because while the top three coaches in this division have all been to a super bowl which is interesting um only one of them has a ring and that is Pete carroll so until mcveigh or shanahan has a ring it's got to be carroll so number one is Pete Carroll. Oh, I need a mouthwash. Okay. <laughs> number two, it's got to be Sean McVay. And reason being is because I feel like the turnaround for the Rams was much more significant than the turnaround for San Francisco. I felt like San Francisco had a down year here and there. But they've always had like good good bones on the team. Like they've had some really good players. Whereas the Rams, McVeigh completely turned around the culture and took them to the Super Bowl. Had a bit of a down year last year, but nine and seven is a down year that is awesome considering we were chanting seven and nine bullshit the last time the Rams were on hard knocks. So I gotta give it to Sean McVay because of the turnaround. And let me tell you this, if if McVay actually takes the Rams anywhere next this upcoming year, he's clearly one of the best coaches in the league because the Rams really, they have a good team, but did they really improve a lot during the offseason? That's questionable. Uh, so, again... That's not a knock on Shanahan. I think he's certainly one of the better coaches in the league, and it's just remarkable that this coach is being ranked number three, but it's just that it's that much of talent in the coaching department of the NFC West. Right. Yeah, he he's he's a fantastic coach, but I mean if if we're being honest here, we're you know, we're coming off Sean McVay's worst season with the Rams in his three years with the team. Uh, we're talking about two coaches that got hired in the same year. Sean McVay's worst year was nine and seven. Kyle Shanahan had two seasons where he had a losing record. One year he went six and ten. One year he went four and twelve. Not not all his fault. Uh, probably not really his fault at all. But he, you know, I, I think with that being said, and like. McVay came in and turned the Rams around in one year. Obviously, there was some talent there, but there wasn't that much talent there, uh, at least when he came in before he kind of overhauled the roster a little bit. Uh, you know, 
I, I, I think it's got to be McVay, and I think it's Homer. Or I, don't, I don't think it's too homer of a thing to say. Are you ready to unveil, to unveil the divisional rankings here? Let me have it. I'm afraid what the numbers are going to turn out to be. So I, I combined our points here. So um, our, our points varied. Looking at it, actually, it literally varied by one point. So I just added them up total based on how we each did it. Uh, but I feel like that. I feel like that's pointless since we differed by like one point. So let, let's do each of our points. This is total points. We each gave the Cardinals coming in at fourth thirty-two points. We, uh, you know, we are a little different. Never mind. The Jesus. Sorry, guys. I know. You, I know this is uh, super anticipating. I'm going to combine our points. The Cardinals, because we each gave them 32, came in with 64 total points. That's the lowest of the group. Third, Seattle coming in with 58. I gave them 28. You gave them 30. So you were a little harsher on Seattle than I was. Uh, the Rams coming in with 53 points. I gave them 27. You gave them 26. And then first place is the 49ers with 45 points carried by, uh, you know, in the first two out of the first three positions, we ranked the 49ers last. And then outside of coach, we did not rank them lower than second at any other positions. That's tight end, offensive line, and the entirety of the defense. Uh, The Rams, meanwhile, they finished. So if we want to rank number one finishes, the Cardinals only had one. That was wide receiver. The Rams had two. That was defensive line and quarterback. The Seahawks also had, or the Seahawks had three, quarterback, running back, and coach. And then the 49ers had five. So, sitting here, Johnny, it seems like, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, the 49ers are still the best team in the division. For now, you could certainly, I think that there's no other reason to suspect otherwise. Uh, whether you're wearing Kool-Aid glasses or not, the 49ers made it to the Super Bowl. You know, uh, they didn't win, but they made it, and they still have a kick-ass. Um, they still have a kick-ass defense. Their offense is still relatively good. So, in essence, you. I, I don't think there's anyone that's going to top the 49ers defense, especially not in the NFC West. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you, man. It's they're good. They're good. What can I say? All right. This has been a lengthy podcast. And Johnny, I think I'm going to leave this as one podcast because it's not too long. But uh, this is a fun one. So. Go ahead and wrap this up here, and we'll be back next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Steve Barrow, at Johnny Five Nut Six, and at Rams Talk at Talk Rams. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts and enter the sweepstakes. And we will talk to you next week. I don't really think I'm an idiot most of the time.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.